All right, remember, we're, we're um, reclaiming the majesty or the glory of God among the, the people, that the people are you, uh, that, that, that's us. Um, and, and he's revealed this through his, his word. Um, here, what we see in John chapter uh, 20, um, we, we've, we've made reference to this every week, and uh, this is going to be no different. But I really want to just press into why, um, why John did this. And why I'm standing up here speaking, and why you're sitting here listening, and why, I mean, answering the why questions now. Because at the end of the day, if we just say, well, I'm coming to church because that's what I'm supposed to do, well, you're, you're going to miss it. And we're going to miss what God has in store for us. God is very clear what He wants for us, and here it is communicated in a very lovely way. Look at verse 30, chapter 20 of the book of John. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. We've discussed that in, in length. Um, so there, there's a bunch of things that Jesus did. He just, John just didn't write them all down. Why? Because it says, but these are written, and they're written for a purpose. And this is the whole, this is the whole crux here. But these, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, who's the you here? It's the audience in which John is writing to. Um, who is John writing to? Us, right? He, he, he's writing to, to the, the, the world. He's writing to the readers, okay? He's writing clearly and directly to us. Obviously, he has a first century audience in mind, but this is, this is one of those uh, theological implications, and this is the bridge that brings the truth that was uh, true then to us now. This is why the Bible says it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's breathing. It's a living word. It says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And he doesn't just stop there because I think a lot of people believe that Jesus is Christ and the Son of God. But he goes on to say that, and by believing that you may have life in his name. Now, um, in that little text there, uh, there are three things that I, that I want us to highlight in this last sermon of this series. And there are these three things. One is Christ, one is believe, and one is life. Because those are the main points inside of this text here. That as he's revealing these things, he's saying, okay, so I want you to understand who Jesus is. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He is the anointed one of God. He is the one that all the Old Testament is written about. And he, all of that, that history has come together, and now we have the manifestation of the Son of God, God putting on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. So he says that, so Christ is, is, is a center point, but it says that I want you to believe. I want you to believe, not just know in our head, but believe and trust in our hearts that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing that you are to have life. That's the missing element that I think that a lot of us, um, will, or uh, the, 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 the missing focus, whatever, however you want to term that, that's the piece of the puzzle that people search after. I mean, just take a second and think of people in your life. Think about your own life, for, for that matter. But just think about how people are always trying to live their life, right? They're always looking for that, that answer to what makes me happy? What brings me satisfaction? What can I do to fill this void? And this is exactly what John is speaking into here. Because he says very clearly here, that by believing that you may have life, you may have this, have life in his name. So as we've set off on this journey over the past few weeks of looking at Jesus and his miracles and understanding the different attributes of God, this is all focused on really one thing, and that one thing is understanding that you, I, we can have life in Jesus' name. And I say that because as we were talking to elders this morning, we're talking, and as I was preparing this week, and this really isn't a weekly thing, this has been going on for some time, I really feel that that element of life is something that everybody is desiring and searching after, but no one's living in it. And, and, and I say that, I don't, and maybe today is going to be one of those ones like, man, you just stepped on everybody's toes. My, my wife tells me I step on her toes all the time. So I'm just welcoming you, you into my closer circle here. 
So I got, I got my boots on today, big feet, right? But no, understand though that, that my, my, my greatest desire as your pastor is that you experience the life that God has for you. And, and, and at the end of the day, I, I really think that you guys want to, but you're scared. There, 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 there's fear that, that, that keeps you from experiencing what God really has in store. And most of that fear is, is and I should, well, all of that fear is from the devil, but most of that fear is like that, that, those self-inflicted fears. What's this person going to say? And what's going to happen here? And I can't do this. And we just start worrying about everything. And we, we give in to this fear and we don't live the life in which God has for us. And when we say here, it says that believing in um, that Jesus is the Christ... It says that he's the son of God and that by believing that, that we may have life, that life just doesn't come by believing in him, but it comes by believing in his name, his nature, who he is. And I think it's important that as we look at that, I ask the question to you, to me, to us, are you living? I heard somebody said that, and I don't know the author of this, so I'm, trying, I'm going to quote somebody I don't know. But I heard somebody said one time that, 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 that there's a lot of people who are alive, but there's not very many people who live. Right? Are, are, are you living? Well, yeah, I'm living. I'm breathing in air. I'm, uh, I'm here. No, 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 no. That's not what, 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 what John is talking about here. That's not what, what Jesus wants for us. Are you living a life in the name of Jesus by the power that he um, has given us? As Kurt uh, identified again for us in our, our call to worship there, that the Holy Spirit is the one that has been given to us irrevocably. I love that word, irrevocably. That's my new word for the day. So he's been given to us irrevocably. He can't be taken back. But what we do is we kind of like push him to the side and we live in the fear of, what, of, of the enemy instead of in the power of the Spirit. And where life comes from, we have to understand life comes from the Spirit of God. I mean, look, look at, at uh, the, in Genesis where it says that the God formed a man out of the dust of the, the earth. And what does it say? He breathed life into him. The Spirit of God brings life to the people of God. Why? To do the work of God in God's creation. And what is going on here is that John is saying, okay, you have to believe, you must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Because your power, your drive, your, and I love this word, purpose for life is found in Christ. Some people say, well, yeah, there's a lot of non-Christians, non unbelievers out in the world that, that have purpose for life. I, I, I would push way back, and I say there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of stuff that mask a lot of fears because they don't know what it is that, that they're designed to do. Because everything of this world is going to pass away. If we put our, 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 um, our, our purpose or identity in our, in, our, in our job, in our wife, in our kids, in our hobbies or whatever, all of those things will pass away and we'll be left with a hole still. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? Well, John here, is, he's addressing what it is that this should look like and where the source of life is to, is to come. And I asked this question as I was putting this all together. It's like, okay, what does this life look like? This life that is in, in, in Christ's name is empowered by him. And Galatians 2.20 really just kind of jumped out to, at, at me here. This is one of those ones where, where people are like, wait a second, you're going to talk about death and stuff, but you're supposed to be talking about life here, and God wants us to have a good life, right? No, God wants us to have a, a, a righteous life a fulfilled life. Sometimes bad things happen. But what we have to understand is the life in which God has planned for us is sourced in Him and not in anything else. I like how Paul says this here in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if we're going to ask, like, what does this life look like? This life looks like um, uh, what, what Christ did for us. It's a life. It is a life of love. Does God love you? Yes, we know that God loves us. Why? Because he sent his son to die for us. 
So how is this life in which I'm to live, how is that supposed to, to, to look? Well, it, it looks like a life, like, like Paul says, like I'm going to die to myself because I jack things up. Anybody in here do that once or twice? No, I'm in a, a bunch of, yeah, there you go. I'm a bunch of good people in here. I've jacked things up once or twice today. So, I mean, and, and that, but understand that, like, if I'm going to be crucifying myself, I'm, I'm going to crucify my flesh. I'm going to understand that I'm going to live according to what God has set for me. I have to believe that, that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That's what the Apostle John says in one of his letters. Understanding that, that, that we, can, we can have this life. What I want to do today is I want to inspire us to understand, like, I can be alive. But not only I can be alive, like, I can live like, like Jesus really is inside of me. What a crazy concept. Just look, at, look around and somebody say, are you alive? <laughs> I mean, because we're, we're, I think we're already starting to think, like, you're already freaking me out, Lee. I mean, who's going to get up and start running around the, I mean, get Dan on a seatbelt here because he can't start running around with a flag. No, he, you don't have to be crazy to be alive. And I think that we try to equate. <laughs> Dan is cra- Dan will call Dan crazy. We know that. There you go, right? You don't have to be crazy to be alive. But you know what my prayer has been all week long? God, make me a crazy preacher. Make me a crazy Christian. Not crazy in the sense I'm going to go to the loony bin. Almost there. Um, but not, not crazy in that sense, but live with the craziness like, like Paul talks about. Like, if I appear crazy to you, it's because I'm controlled by the creator of the universe. And I don't give a rip of what you think about me. Because I'm doing what he wants me to do. Now, not, now we don't take and use that as arrogance and, and use that as a license to do uh, stupid things, right? Well, I, you know, because God loves me, and so much, oh, hey, hey, sister, I want to tell you this. You know, you're not, you need to lay off the crack. And I'm telling you this in love. Or I don't know, you, you, something crazy where, 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 where you, 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 you take the, 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 this emboldened, um, the, this power, and you use it for the wrong reasons, what we need to do is we need to harness the power which God has given us, not manipulate the power, but let God work through us, but understand it's for all for his glory. And we're going to see an awesome picture of that today. We're going to see an awesome picture where, where death happens, but because of the death, we're going to see great life. And, and you're going to be able to relate to this today. So, um, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, um, it, it, prepare yourselves mentally here. It may get a little crazy. Again, seatbelts. Put seatbelts on. It's all right. Are we ready? Hey, if you can hoop and holler about Baker Mayfield and his craziness out there, I mean, or the Buckeyes game, or the Clemson game, or the Alabama game, or whatever game that you were watching, there was a blowout yesterday, right? I've, all, I've seen y'all. I've, I've encountered y'all. Some of you wear your own team. Not the bad thing. But if you're going to cheer and yell at the TV... I'll use James. I know James yells at the TV. <laughs> if you're going to scream and yell at the TV and get all excited about a bunch of, 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 of 20-year-old men or some or even maybe little... Ben's pretty old now. He's getting close. What is he, 36, 37 now? He's a little bit older. But men running around trying to tackle each other? I mean, why, why can't you get excited about a Savior who came and died and rose from the dead? Right? So, so I'm going to put us all on the spot. Like we, we, can, we can cheer as much for a risen Savior as we can for the Browns finally getting a win. What was it 600-some days? 635. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Miracles. All right. So I hope this makes sense to you today. And I hope that you see, okay, this is all about life. I am not the giver of life. No one in here is the giver of life. The source and the giver of life is, is, is Jesus and him alone. So understand that that's what we're going to look at. Look at John chapter 11 with me. This is going to be fun. I'm already starting to sweat and I haven't even got through the introduction. Whew. All right. Before you Bible Nazis try to crucify me. 
There, I, I don't care anymore, right? So before you try to do that, I'm going to skip a big chunk of Scripture today. I'm going to do it. <clears throat> Get your crosshairs off me. I am going to skip verses 17 to 36, I think. 37. There's a reason for that. In a couple weeks, we're going to go through the I Am series, and we're going to hit that, that chunk of Scripture. And I don't want this to be two and a half hours long, so I'm going to not even go there today. And we're going to focus on, really, the encounter that we're at, at the tomb. So please, no, no emails or anything saying, well, you know, preacher, you didn't use the whole Scripture. I, yes, I did. I read it. I'm going to keep everything in context. So we good? No, no stones going to be thrown? Can't guarantee that. Thank you, dear. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So right off the bat, we got Lazarus, we got Martha and Mary, all right? Lazarus was ill. Now it was Mary who anointed the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And I love that, he, that John is using some, some, some situations that took place to really let you know who this is and who these people are. These aren't just average Joes, excuse me, average Joes that, that, that encountered Jesus. These are people that Jesus did some life with. There is a, a special bond here. Verse 3, it says, So the sisters sent to him, him being Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. All right, so what we have is, is obviously, let me be Captain Obvious here, right? right? Uh, that's Captain Morgan, right? <laughs> Dang, I'm just terrible today. Captain Obvious, we got Mary and we got Martha. Lazarus is ill. And they're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Uh, let's send to Jesus. Let, we, we've got this problem, let's go to Jesus. Great strategy, right? Awesome, but we, we can't fault them. We're not going to fault them either. So it says that they sent to Jesus. And it says, okay, he, he, here's the thing. So Lord, who, who, uh, he whom you love is ill. So Jesus was, was, was uh, a messenger was brought to him. I don't know if it was Pony Express or if it was email or what it was. I don't know, maybe a carrier pigeon, something. Definitely wasn't Twitter, Facebook, or Snapchat. Snapchat. Snapchat, I, I, Snapchat not Chant. Not Snapchat. But this was, somebody came to him and said, okay, Lord, um, Lazarus, he, he, he's, he's sick. He's ill. And listen to the response. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, for it is the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Okay, so, so look at this. When Jesus is, is told, hey, Lazarus is, and I have a hard time saying Lazarus. Lazarus. I know, like a T.A. Lazarus. When Louis, we call him Louis. Um, when, Lu, no, when Big L was sick, when Lazarus was sick and, and, and Jesus was told about him, look how Jesus responds. He says, well, here's the deal. The, 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 this uh, illness is, does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So understand that this messenger came up. And I need, I need you to picture this with me because this is going to be important later on. Uh, the messenger came up and Jesus was there with his disciples. And, and, and the messenger says, uh, excuse me, sir. I don't know. Or maybe he can say, hear ye, hear ye. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, I probably just blew the eardrums out of everybody on Facebook, right? Uh, so, um, but he comes up and says, hey, 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 Lord, he's sick. This is, what, 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 what do you want to do? And he responds this way. And, and the messenger then, it doesn't say it here, but what does the messenger do? It sends messages. Thank you. So what did the messenger do? He probably turned around and he went back to Martha and Mary. This is, maybe this, some of you are sitting here like, well, duh. Well, this was very re revelatory to me this week because I've always taken this text like he looked around at his disciples and said, well, this illness does not lead to, uh, to, to death, but it's for the glory of God. But no, there was another party that, that was involved here that Martha and Mary were, were told then what Jesus had said. And I, I, I love this. Because it says in verse 5, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. Well, it says her sister. I inserted Mary, because we know it is Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus, Laz, yeah, the dude was ill, 
He said, or he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Okay. So when, when the problem was brought to him, Jesus says, okay, God's glory is going to be done here. We've got this. I got this under control. But now he, it says, okay, when he heard this, this news, he stayed two days longer. I, I don't know about you, but this is problematic for me. This is very problematic for me because I'm thinking, okay, wait a second. It says that he loved them. That they had this relationship. Don't you think that he would have hopped on his camel and just rode off into the sunset after him? Am, am I alone there? I mean, fine, I'll be alone. Okay, whatever. I just thought it was, it's odd. And then I started to think about this. And I started looking at this on a bigger picture, and I'm like, wait a second, we have to remember that God's got a plan here. Not only is he omniscient, he knows everything, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, but we have to understand that God has a plan, he has a purpose. And as I'm looking at this and thinking about God having a greater plan, I think about situations that I've been in my life where God's plan seems irrational in the moment. Anybody ever been in, 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 that, in, in a position where you're, you're asking God for something or that um, you're just pouring your heart out to him, a problem or situation or something, and then it just, you, you, you get this sense, or, or even he answers you, and his answer, his words that are given, they're like, well, that just doesn't make any sense, God. Anybody? Anybody? A couple, yeah, there we go. Now we're starting to, to come alive in church a little bit. So you, you have this, like, this moment like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. God, you would get so much more glory if you just did my step one through six. We can skip seven through nine or whatever, but if you did this and did this and did this and did this, you would get all this glory. I know that I'm guilty of that. Where God, if you would just line up with what I have already planned, everything would work out for the better. You know, I mean, I got this. No one here has ever done that, right? Besides me, I'm the sinner here. But this is, this is, this is what we have to understand. Spoken like a true Pharisee. Um, it, it, what goes around comes around. But what we have to understand is what we, when we try to make our plan God's plan, it doesn't work. And sometimes what we see, when we see God's plan... And then we're like, wait a second, my, it just, this, God, do you really know what you're doing? No one's ever asked that besides me. Like, God, really, have you, do you, do you know what you're doing? Shelly, I know, has asked that because she comes into my office sometimes. I just wonder if God knows what he's doing. You're sitting here, right? <laughs> do you really know what you're doing? I mean, it just seems irrational. And I think it's okay that we have moments like that where we think that God's plan is irrational. But as long as we come back and understand, but wait a second, he's a creator of all. He holds everything together. It says that he holds a universe together in his hand. So we can, we can have these moments where it's going to. It, it, it doesn't make sense why he did this. But it does if you look at the big picture and see how and what he had planned. Let's go. It says, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to, to Judea again. The disciples said to him, but Rabbi, uh, the Jews were just seeking to stone you with rocks. And are you going there again? So wait, 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 Jesus, you know, we're kind of like your bodyguards now, right? <laughs> As if he needed bodyguards. Jesus, are, do you really want to go there? They, they were going to stone you because you were saying some really outrageous things. You were, you were uh, claiming that you and, and the Father were one. Like you were claiming, you said that you were God and they didn't like it. I mean, that's something that goes, it wouldn't go over at a party very well, right? Somebody came in, hey, I am God. And, and then, then, then Hulk is in there and, and goes, puny God. What was that, the Avengers? Yeah. Right? I mean, come on now. So Jesus had made that claim. And the Jewish people, the religious people are like, wait a second, they don't like you for saying that. Rightfully so. Because they didn't believe that he was God. And his disciples are bringing that up. Are you sure you want to go there? 
We have that conversation in our house quite often with the kids. They start with the, 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 the back talk a little bit. And, and she, I've heard Shannon say this, are you sure you want to go there? I mean, she might look like she's nice and sweet and peaceful, but she's wiry. <laughs> what movie's that? I mean, we're, we're on a movie kick today, right? Anywho, back to focus on him. Are you sure you want to go there, Jesus? Look how Jesus answered. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he seeks the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after this, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. So he says, okay, here's the deal. We got to work when we can work. I'm not going to try to explain all this, uh, why Jesus just didn't say, hey, we're going to go. Just suck it up, buttercup, and we're going. What he's saying here is we have to work when it is opportune time to work. When is opportune time to work? Everybody take a deep breath. When you're breathing, that's opportune time to work, right? If, there, if there's a breath in the body, there's hope for the soul. There's, there's purpose for the life. So he's saying we have to understand that there is a work to be done. And then he goes on to say, well, you know, he has fallen asleep. Lazarus has fallen asleep. And I love the response of the disciples. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. If he just had 20, maybe it's just like the 24-hour flu bug. And I hear it's going around. It's been like an epidemic and everybody's tweeting about it, Jesus. So it'll probably pass. No, yours doesn't say that. Well, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death. We know this now. And it says, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. He's dead. That illness led to death. So what, what, what is probably going through the disciples' mind right now? Well, you messed up, Lord. We knew about this a couple days ago. You didn't do anything about it. And now he's dead. God, you haven't acted, and look at this bad thing that has happened. No one has ever asked that question, right? Or said that statement. God, I prayed about this. I I prayed about whatever X, Y, Z here, and now it's multiplied, and it's even worse now. I don't know if you really do love me. Jesus says, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. He looked at his disciples, and it was a good thing that I wasn't there. He died, and, it's a good, and, and they're, they're befuddled. They're still thinking, like, this doesn't make sense. But it says, for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go. Wait a second. This is the seventh sign that we have talked about in this series, right? There were many other signs that have happened up until this point, right? But Jesus is talking about the belief of the disciples? Wait a second. He just just, uh, uh, healed a a man that was born blind, and he walked on the water. Was it stormy or was it calm, Dad? I don't know if it was stormy or calm where Jesus was walking. I think he's riding roller coasters. I don't know. So he he, he walked on the water. He fed the 5,000. We we look at this. He he, he um, uh, healed a couple lame people. He's done many other works, and it's saying it's a good thing that this is all for your sake so that you may believe. As I look at this, I'm like, well, there's got to be something in here. Why, why would Jesus be making these steps and, and this, this progress towards this belief for the disciples? If, if, wait a second, I thought that they already confessed Jesus to be Christ. They already knew who he was. As I look at this, I, I, I clearly see that we have to understand that belief and believing in God is a continual thing. I think what's happened too much is we have this thought that like, yep, I believe in God, move on to the next thing. Oh, I've heard the gospel. I believe in the, the truth of the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for, to forgive my, me of my sins and I got to accept him. All right, let's move on to something. Let's move on to the book of Revelation and do the good stuff, right? No, there, there's no moving on from belief. It's a continual action. Jesus has taken steps here to, to, to force that and to reinforce that with his disciples. Like, you have to continually believe. If you do not continually believe, what's going to happen? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
The devil's going to come in and he's going to steal away what it is that you think you know. Is he going to steal your salvation? I'm not saying that at all. But he's going to steal your life away from you. And, and here we see that, that Jesus is, it's, it's for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe. Every single one of us in here needs to, to, to let that sink in and understand that like, my belief has to be a continual thing. It's not only a, 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 every occasional thing, a once a week thing, a come into church on Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. Like you wake up in the morning, you have to understand that I got to choose to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Because throughout the day, I'm going to be lied to. No matter what it is. Well, no one's going to be doing that. The, the world does that. They're continually saying that you need this and you know, you're, not, you're not good enough here and this is what will, will satisfy you and fulfill you. Holy crap, the, the, the new iPhone's out, right? Everybody needs a new iPhone XTPC3PO. I don't know what it is, right? Everybody needs that thing, right? Because that'll make you feel better. It'll bring life. It'll bring more color to your pictures, Right? I have never used the capacity of the stinking phone I have like I need another one. That's why I call it a smartphone because a bunch of dumb people have them. Right? <laughs> the phones are smart. But they, they, they give us this, this idea like, like that'll fulfill you. It's a lie. That's not going to fulfill you. Jesus says that, that it's belief. It's belief in him. And I love this, this, next, this next statement. Verse 16, so Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also go, that we may die with him. I don't know who he was talking about. Commentators are all over the place on this. Preachers are all over the place on, on this. Was he talking about the hymn? Was that Lazarus? Was, was that we're going to go die with him because he's contagious and we're going to catch you know, measles, mumps, and rebellion, but rebella or whatever and, and we're going to contract that disease? Or, uh, or was he talking about Jesus? Like, Jesus, you remember, we're like close around you and if they start throwing rocks at you, we're going to get hit. Oh, well, let's go. I, and here's another thing, a little side note for you. Thomas is usually the one that everybody, nine times, 99 times out of 100, when somebody says Thomas, somebody, they're like, oh, doubting Thomas. Thomas wasn't doubting here. He was the only one that was bold enough to say, okay, let's go. Jesus said we got to go, so let's do it. I, I, I don't know how, how this went down with the guys, but what we do know is they went. Now here's the big jump. Jump over to verse 38. In that little te that part that we skipped, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. There's an encounter with, with uh, the sisters, um, and, and Jesus says one of the best statements, if not the best statement, uh, that, that he makes in the I am's is that I am the resurrection and the life. But what I want to do is I want to take uh, the next couple minutes, because I'm already running a little bit behind, Take the next couple minutes and look at this encounter that Jesus had at the, the, the tomb. And there's three things that I want to highlight in this. Because these three things are going to uh, take what it is we've been doing and understand where life is and what, 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 what we're, how we're supposed to react and, and how we can live our lives with these, this, uh, with these truths and live it confidently. Look here at verse uh, 38. And then Jesus deeply moved again. There's a lot in there. I understand this. Uh, um, uh, what's the crazy guy's name again? Dan. Dan and I were, were talking, and we were talking about um, how emotions, uh, emotions aren't from the devil. Emotions are, are given to us by God. Jesus shows emotion. Now, what we have to understand is emotions should not control our actions, and we should not uh, be controlled by the emotions, but it's okay to have emotions. You know, what do they, what do they say? Grown men don't cry. I mean, I love, was it Tim McGraw says that? I don't know. I can't remember anymore. Well, that's a lie. Grown men can cry. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't cry. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying, it's okay to have emotions, but don't be controlled by them. Let's go. That's a whole sermon in and of itself. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Um, does it sound like something else that's going to happen in, in, in not too long of a time for Jesus? Tomb, cave, stone. Hmm. Jesus said, take away the stone. So he comes up where, where Lazarus is, um, uh, where he's buried, and he says, okay, take away the stone. 
I love this. <laughs> Come on, you know this is funny. Martha, good old Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. Oh, that's Marcia, right? Dang. Martha, the sister of the dead man. I love it. I mean, he's identifying. He's just reminding us that the guy that's behind that rock in there, not Dwayne, but the, the rock that's in front of the, who got that? Come on now, we're starting, to, we're starting here. The guy that's behind the rock is dead. He's in the tomb. He's dead. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus, it's, it, it stinketh, right? Come on. I know, it stinketh. I, I, I love that. I love that. When, when Gabe comes out of the bathroom, oh my goodness, it stinketh, right? We can get that. So, so when we, we look at this, Martha, remember, what, Martha's the one that sent for Jesus in the first place, right? Jesus comes to Martha and they have this encounter. And now they go to the tomb because Jesus is going to address the problem which Martha came to him with. And Jesus says, take away the stone. And Martha said, we can't because it'll stink really bad. It'll stink really, 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 really bad. Look at what Jesus says in, in return. Jesus said to her, verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Remember that statement that we saw back here in verse 4, that this illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God? Remember, the messenger took that back to her. He's reminding her, now, now wait a second, you presented me with the problem. Now I'm coming in, I'm going to take care of this. And I'm going to do it probably in a way in which you don't understand or you think is kind of crazy. Because I'm going to say, hey, take away the stone, and you're going to be like, wait a second, you can't do it that way. No one in here has ever presented God with a problem, and God steps in, and, and, and we have responded with, well, God, you can't do it that way. No one in here said that, right? But God, it's going to stink. That was for visual effect, I guess. <laughs> Dramatic effect. Let's see if I can get it go. No, won't. It's going to stink. We take away the stone, it's going to stink. God, our problem that I gave you, I want you to solve it like I think it should be solved. God, there's a stench here. And I love his response. His response is the glory of God is greater than any stench in which you have. Let that sink in for a second. Because too often, we don't want the stone to be rolled away. We don't want things to become uncovered because they stink. And I'm not saying that, that, that they don't stink. I'm agreeing with you. It's stinking. You're an idiot or whatever. Something bad has happened. You have sinned and it stinks. It's a, it's a stench um, to, the, to the, the, the smell of God, to the aroma. It's an aroma that is just despicable, despisable. It is a stench. But Jesus responds that, you know what? I don't care how bad it stinks. My glory is greater than that stench. Let that sink in because I don't care what the stench is in your life or my life. I know I got some stinky trash. I know that, that God's glory overpowers the stench that my stuff gives off. And that's what he's communicating here. He's like, you got to trust me. You've given this to me. Now trust me to do this. Because my glory, you can't outgive. You can't out understand you can't out whatever you cannot trump my glory no matter how big of a pile of poo in which you got I don't care if you had pizza and chili the night before it stinks I get it but my glory is greater so they took away the stone <laughs> come on like that's a good point Jesus Right? You, you, I mean, how many times have you been in an argument and somebody gives a, a truth that you can't argue? And you're like, usually it's like, touche. Okay. That's what happened. Like, so, so they took away the stone. Who's the they? I'm convinced that that the they, and it's going to be the next to be that the them, but that the they, that group of people were the disciples. I'm convinced of that because... Remember Jesus said, for your sake, 
I'm glad I wasn't there for your sake because I, this is for, so you can believe. Jesus is there. The disciples are standing back going like, oh, whoa, okay, wait, wait. She, she sent, now Jesus said, um, she's like, whoa, stinketh, no. And we're like, okay, we're going to do a Jesus. Let's go move the stone. I'm good. I, I, they're like, I, I don't know what, the, I, Jesus said this, let's do this. They, did they plug their nose? And, I, I don't know. Did they put Vicks underneath their nose? I, I, I don't know. But what we understand is they obeyed Jesus. Why? Because they wanted to see the glory of God manifest right before their eyes. So we, we look at this, and, and um, Dan throws me off when he says, come on now, like, okay, where are we going? Let's do it. I'm not used to that, but that's good. Look at Jesus' response to this. It says, Jesus lifted up his eyes. He didn't bow his knee, which is not a bad thing. He didn't bow his head. Everybody bow their heads, close their eyes, and now we're going to pray. No, that's fine. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven. Look at this prayer he prays. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. I, I, I love this, and we can preach all day on this, that he prayed a prayer, and he was thanking God for something that hadn't already happened yet. He was praying a prayer because he knew God was going to act. How many times do we pray a prayer, and we're like, well, God, I hope this happens. No, Jesus was praying this prayer. He knew what was going to take place. And this is not because his omniscience. This is because he knew who God was and his belief as the human side, the humanity of Jesus was fully submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit and was being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit said, pray and thank God for what's going to happen. And he did. He was obedient to that. It said when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I, I, I love, how, and, and I, I get where our, one of our, our, our church fathers, Augustine, says, well, it's a good thing that he said Lazarus, because if he didn't say Lazarus, then everybody would have come out of the tombs. I, 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 I get where he's going with that. I don't know if that's true, whatever. It's kind of funny, but it's true. Like, in the sense that the dead are waiting, waiting for the voice to be called alive. They're just waiting. And here it says, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I want to I do this in just the next couple minutes. Hopefully we can get through this. Just please bear with me. You want to hear this. When Jesus says these last two things, come out and unbind him. This is where, like, if you don't hear, if you haven't heard anything else, and you're trying to ignore my corny jokes, fine. Just tune into this for a second. When he says for him to come out, we look at this, and in, in our English language, excuse me, it says, it's just very, very, very clear. Like, I would yell into the house, hey, come out, let's go, we're going to go do this, or whatever. No, what, what Jesus, when he says come out, there's, there's such significance in these two words that we miss the bigger picture here. This word to come, come out, it means to move toward a place, but not just go from one place to another. It's not just to move. It has the um, uh, significance behind it to, uh, to be drawn toward the speaker. So, so if I were to use this word in its original language, I would say come, you would be drawn towards me, right? So, so think about that. When he says, Lazarus, come out. Where's he saying to come to? Come to me. Lazarus, come out. Come, come, come here. Come here, boy. Right? That's what my dad always used to say. Come here, boy. I'm not coming. You're going to smack me. No. But he says, but he, he, he's talking, when he says, come, come, to, come, come to me. Come into my presence here. And the out is another thing that just blows my mind. So it's moving or appearing to move away from a place. I get that. Out of somewhere into something else. But... It's especially significant of, of moving from a hidden or enclosed place to be out in the light. So, so, so think about that. When Jesus is saying, come out, come out where you're hidden, come out of, uh, of the darkness and come into the light. Come out of, of where, where, where death reigns and come to me where you can have life. 
Come out of this where, where, where you're, you're, you're trapped. Come out of this where you have no hope. Come to me where there's freedom. This is what he was saying to Lazarus, and this is what he's saying to us. When I read this, uh, and we won't go there just for sake of time today, but maybe this week, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and read through that. Because it says you were once dead in your trespasses and sins, but God made us alive in Christ Jesus. So what happened physically there with, with Lazarus, that's happened spiritually with us. We've been called out of the darkness into the light. And, and I love this next spot. Because I think, I think that every, if not everybody, the majority of everybody in here has, a, has that moment where God has called them out. Jesus has called them out of the darkness and they've called them into light. And you say, I will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. I am, I am saved. And I would believe that. I would say that if not everybody, most everybody has. If you haven't, please see one of us afterwards. But, and, but we've had, you've had that moment where you've been called by God from that darkness. And that darkness is that bondage to sin, that, that, that living in, uh, in the, the deadness spiritually. But now you've been called to life. You've come, you've went from inside the tomb to outside the tomb now. But look at what, what, what Jesus says here and what John identifies. And again, you have to use a, a, a visual on this because when he said for, for uh, Lazarus to come out, it said his feet and his hands were bound, right? And he had a cloth over his face, right? Everybody remember that part? Right? The man who had died came out his feet, feet in his, hand, his hands and his feet with, bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Like this. <laughs> Make sure you're full. I'm out. I'm alive. I used to be dead. I know I can't act real well, but sorry. Just bear with me. I used to be dead. Okay. What does Jesus say? Unbind him. Take off the bindings that are keeping his, his hands and his feet and his face. T take that stuff. Take the grave clothes off of him. Why? Because he's not dead anymore. Absolutely. Let him go. Here, here's, my, here's my understanding of this. The picture in which, we, which God wants us to see here is that when we've been called from death to life, we don't just stand there like a mummy. We've been called to life. Life is an action. Here what we see is, is that he, he tells them to, them being the disciples here, huge discipleship moment here, huge picture here, tells the disciples, unbind him. Take off the bandages. Take off the grave clothes. And I think what, what happens is too many times that, 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 we, that we have made that profession of faith. And, and that we're, we're, we're standing there and we're like, I'm alive. It's kind of like the, the, the tin man. Oil can. Right? Oil. I can't, we can't move. I'm alive, but I can't, I can't move. I need unbound. Who does the unbinding? Here says the disciples did that. This is a huge picture of why we need to be in community together. Because brothers and sisters who have been somewhere maybe you have been or have experienced something which you have experienced are able to help take away that, 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 those grave clothes. This is not like when, G when Jesus rose and said that, that the, 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 the linen was just laying there and his face cloth was actually folded up there. Jesus didn't need anyone to unbind him. We need people, one another's. Remember that the over 100 times in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, we have that word, alelon, the one another's. We, we, we need the one another's to help unbind us. If not, we're just a bunch of mummies standing there. I'm alive in Jesus. Jesus loves me. I wish I could raise my hands, but I can't. I'll just do the, what, the flapping dog chicken. I, I might be able to do the little fish. Can't do the big fish. Little fish. Window wiper, right? Anybody seen that? Was it Tim Hawkins, right? We, we need to be unbound so there's nothing holding us back so we can live the life in which God wants us to live. The life in which God has, has um, given us a potential to live. But too often we're just like too, ah, fear is, keep, fear is, is just keeping all those bandages on. What happens is 
And, and, and let's be honest. We come here on Sunday, and, and, and some of us are doing this, coming in the door. Others are, are, like, are, are, are more like, like a little bit of room. Some are like hopping in the door. I, I don't know. But we come in the door wanting the bandages to come off. And, 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 and maybe somebody, if it's my, my, my teaching or somebody comes and, and it's talking, maybe it's through music, whatever, some of the bandages start to come off. And they're like, ooh, I, I feel a little freedom here. But then what happens is as we leave, we, uh, I'm going to pick my bandages back up. And we put them back on as we go back out the door. We, we, we can't pick them up, that which has fallen down. The bandages I'm talking about. Understand that, that, that when we've been set free, and, and I, I, as we talk in, in the future and, and the I am's and everything, we're going to talk about how it's freedom that has set us free, but it's living, uh, or it's truth that has set us free. But it's living in that truth on a daily, continuous, continual basis. Understanding that it is, it is the, the, the interactions in which God has given us with our brothers and sisters in Christ that it takes the bandages, the discipleship that happens takes the bandages off so that we can go and we can live like he intended us to live. So when you look at this story, understand that there's a lot of mess in this story. There's a lot of stench, but God's glory is greater than any stench. And, and, and not only that, but God has called you, has called me out of the darkness into the light. And because of God's glory is greater than any stench, and because he's called you out of the darkness into the light, what we need to do is we need to be obedient and unbind those that are around us. Let's pray. As we pray, here's what I want to do. I want us to continue into this mode of understanding that we need to be alive. I know for certain there are a lot of people in here that are bound up. That You're still wearing the bandages of the grave clothes. You've gone from death to life, but you're still bound up. Now, I don't have all the answers on how to, to unbind you. And I don't know who does have all the answers other than God. Hold, hold on for a second. But what I want to do is I think that the process needs to, to, to start to take place. And, and God has given us an awesome group of men that are elders, that are shepherds in this church to help with that process. So, if you can gather up the courage enough to say, I, I want to start the unbinding, and I don't know where to start. I don't know what it is I need to... I, maybe some of you feel bound, but you don't know what it is, why, why the, the, you, you feel that way. Let's just start with the first step of the, just talking to one of these guys up here. Maybe they can, through what, 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 um, what, what you say, they can start putting dots together. They can, maybe they'll, they'll give you a, 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 an experience from their own life that they've seen God work in and the truth of God's word, how it works. Or maybe they'll say, like, you know what? I know somebody else that went through the same exact thing that can help, help you out. But if we're unwilling to take the, the, the bandages off, you're going to stand still. And you're not going to experience the life in which God has for you. And that's not what I want. That's not what you want either. Let's pray. Our Father God, um, Lord, as we enter into this time, uh, uh, my prayer is that we can just see you, your truth and understand that there's no stench that is greater than your glory. God, that, that we have been called from death to life. But we need to be able to be unbound so we can live this life abundantly that you've come to give us. And that life eternal starts now. It, starts, it started when we professed our faith in you. It doesn't start when we die. So God, I hope the ramblings of a crazy man make sense enough where we could just start this process. Or maybe it's continue for some in this process of unbinding us so we can live free in you. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.